welcome to part one of the six-part series, Conversations About Influence, from Barnes & Conti Associates. In this segment, we'll hear about gender stereotypes and influence and how to deal with them. Our speakers are B. Kim Barnes, author of Exercising Influence, Making Things Happen, at work, at home, and in your community, and numerous other publications. Mary Walter of Mary Walter Leadership, specializing in leadership coaching and team effectiveness with over 20 years of experience as a senior executive and leader in retail operations. And Alan Cohen, PhD, Edward Madden Professor of Global Leadership at Babson College and co-author of Influence Without Authority. Hello. I'm Kim Barnes. I'm the CEO of Barnes & Conti Associates, and I'm here with two friends and colleagues, Mary Walter and Alan Cohen. And as many of you know, Barnes & Conti has a real focus on leadership, on influence, and teams. So this is a great group to be part of. So I'd like to get us started today by saying that one of the things we've been talking about is the topic of influence and gender. Do women and men influence differently? Do they influence differently when they're in mixed groups uh, or, or when they're separate? Uh, I know that, Alan, you've added a chapter to your new edition of your book on the topic, and maybe we can start by hearing a little bit of what you've found and what you've been right. studying here. I will mention that David Bradford, my co-author, and I decided early on that two old white guys better have... Uh, a woman as a partner on this. So we added a Babson colleague, Nan Langowitz, as our co-author on this particular chapter. The subtitle of the chapter is Beyond Stereotypes, which is one of the main conclusions we came to in looking at the subject. We found that there is a lot of mythology about this subject, widely believed and sometimes true. One of my favorite lines is attributed to Will Rogers, you get in trouble when what you know ain't so. And it turns out that a lot of widely believed things, always good for laughs in the people I hang out with, like men interrupt women always, women won't ask for pay raises, women won't negotiate on their own behalf, and so on. While there are grains of truth, there are plenty of counterexamples. None of the stereotypes fit all men or all women, but the beliefs that they do get into the relationships. And so it becomes a very elaborate process of figuring out when you're dealing with someone of the opposite gender, whether they fit the stereotype and how they're listening to what you're saying and whether you need to adjust what you're saying to take into account what you think they're gonna to react to. That can easily gum up relationships a lot. Then there are the people who are unconscious about it all, so they're just operating on old beliefs. Then there are the people who think they are hip and they know what the other party is going to believe, and they do things which irritate the other party because they don't think they fit themselves. So part of what I'm hearing, Ellen, is that the more self-conscious we are perhaps about the stereotypes about gender, the more likely we might be to trip over, <laughs> over ourselves and our own stereotypes when we're having a conversation with somebody of the other, another gender. Self-awareness can make you trip. 
and lack of self-awareness can make you trip. Indeed. The challenge is to build relationships where you can talk about it that are increasingly open and trusting. Absolutely. Let, let me just find out from you, Mary, because you are the person who has been most recently inside organizations, and I'm curious about what you've observed about this. Yeah, I, first of all, I kind of tack on to what Alan said. I think making the implicit explicit is just so powerful in influence and in leadership in general, but particularly in influence. I think we're constantly making assumptions, whether it's based on gender or so many other things. So I really like that thought of making it explicit, what we see happening or what we assume is happening. I love that. One thing I've seen, I want to be careful not to step on a stereotype here, Alan, so you may have to correct me, but one thing I have seen typically as it relates to gender is I've been doing a number of both speaking and training with women's groups recently, and there's been a lot written about confidence in women's leadership and some data to suggest that that may be true for part of the population of women, not all, um, that confidence may be something that tends to uh, be an issue for women leaders that we have to watch out for. And What I've noticed from my own experience is confidence or how do I get the confidence to do something is actually the number one question that I get when I'm speaking or training to an all-female group, which is different than what I get when I speak to a more mixed group. So I find that interesting. That implication to influence is also interesting because going into a situation where you must influence being prepared and being confident enough with what you are trying to influence and also being confident enough to be able to be influenced off of that point is something to prepare for and I think something we can help women leaders with. I want to just pick up on the last point that you made, the idea of confidence being related not only to your ability to influence others, but also to your willingness to be influenced by others. Yes. Yes. Because... If you are less self-confident, I think perhaps you tend to hold on to your positions a little more strongly and are a little more fearful of appearing vulnerable by changing. So, And the whole idea of influence is to be able to get another person to change what they were thinking, the direction they were going. So confidence is a very interesting part on both sides. You have just listened to part one of six in the Conversations About Influence podcast. Thank you for listening. To hear more of the conversation, please continue to the next podcast.